Welcome back to The Shed. It has been literally at least six weeks since we met in here. So I'm not even too sure what we're going to talk in here, but you're going to hear a lot of talk about exotic foreign destinations. We've been exchanging notes about the future of democracy. Don't panic. Don't take your hand away from the dial. Don't turn it off right now. (laughs) Here we go. How's everyone? It's great to be back. Last time we were here, I believe, was like six weeks ago, something crazy like that. August 19th, maybe? Today, for our listeners, is uh, November 2nd. Mere hours after Halloween. So when we make references to things, they might actually resonate with our listeners as opposed to, you know, talking about Christmas in April. Let's get ahead of our... In general, (laughs) yeah, that's true. But, you know, I was driving here, the, the, the leaves on Victoria drive were just spectacular. Yeah. Even right down there at Gravely, they're just all perfect right now. You know, the sugar maples, that red orange they turn. <laughs> the sugar maples. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to see you boys. It seems like it's been forever. Listeners, no doubt, will be impressed to know that we haven't actually met for all this time because I'm just going to point out that we published like a machine. Just pumping them out. Oh, We awesome. worked on that for a straight week. Just to keep it coming, listeners, just for you guys. Well, no, the skinny just said he got back October 6th, and I thought, oh, Jesus, I thought he got back a week ago or something. That's uh, Rich got back a week ago. Yeah, yeah but I, for some reason I thought you were still out there fending off the evil conquerors around the world. Nope. So, Rich, you must have seen lots of perfect leaves on your recent vacation. We did, don't you know? I mean, I don't know if I'd call them perfect thing, but while we were there, the weather is spectacular. Peak foliage was eluding us most of the time, but it really didn't matter. So is it eluding you on the too green side or the already gone side? Well, it was very complicated, you know, it was all different sides, you know, it would just depend, like sometimes you'd come around a corner and there would just be this perfect red sugar maple surrounded by green. Or the maples might have dropped their leaves and there'd be perfect oranges and other other trees. So it would never be like very rare that we saw just that classic New England uh, foliage that you see in the famous photos, you know. So we had we actually had some really beautiful foliage. But right now in town here is awesome as well. Yeah, it's so, pretty. Yeah. I rode up Cypress on Sunday and oh boy, it was, I don't know if you guys recall, it was a brilliant sunny day, shining down in the ocean. The trees are all colorful. Oh, Holy yeah. mackerel, it was pretty. We've had so many nice days in a row. Yeah. I mean, it's over now, but yeah. still not too bad today. Well, we had lovely weather for our uh, for most of our trip, but uh, sure one, t- like one time we were in uh, Martha's Vineyard, don't you know? It's just beautiful out there, right? And you look in the distance, you go, oh, look at that. The clouds are just spectacular. And you can see the sheet of rain coming down. <laughs> and it's, it's way off in the distance, right? And then, oh, look at those rainbows, dual rainbows, man. Just You can see large parts of the arc and a sidebar. The dual rainbows had their colors inverted from each other. I they didn't were, know that. Do you know? I've never noticed that. They, I, were, they I, were parallel to each other. So one next to another, both kind of starting off in the ocean and then up. Yeah, yeah. And both turning in the same direction, but the colors were inverted. I have no idea what that was about. Oh, man. That's, that's like a snapper. So the theory would be the light's coming from the same place. Once it passes through one, giving you that part of the spectrum, that light that's passed through there and been broken up prismatically, then, you know, it it's not available to be displayed in the subsequent arc. 
Yeah, I really don't so know. So it goes the other way. And Scott, I think you're on to something. It's something, I bet you it's something along. That's cool. I never noticed that. Yeah, oh. so there was that, and we're, and we're talking to a local, and she's really friendly and telling us all kinds of cool stuff, right? And we're out for our nice little walk. We're not far from our hotel, and then boom, we're just getting drenched. <laughs> like, we could have known that this was going to yeah. happen, right? Like, there's all kinds of hints along the way. Yeah, wind's so, picking up. So that was wild. Well, you know, each day we would typically drive three hours driving time. Yeah. But, you know, each day we'd be out of there, out of, out of the location, usually by 11 a.m., into the next location at 6 p.m., but there'd be large swaths of tourism in there, yeah, yeah. you know, like you're, you got two different places maybe oh. you want to see on the way. Yeah, that's the way to go, I think. You got your next place lined up and you just dally your way there. It was. We were worried, is this too much? 19 motels in 32 days. So there were some times when we'd stay like three nights or two nights, but a lot of one-nighters. Mm-hmm. And a lot of two and a half hour days to four and a half hour days driving. How, how was your sleep? Sleep was good. So all those different beds didn't bother you, eh? All the beds were good, except for maybe one. I think I recall one being, oh, this is a little weird. But then I never thought about it again, so that means the bed was good enough, right? But what I was getting at is you're clearly not sensitive to changes in ambient noise, ambient temperature, anything. Well, we're super sensitive to temperature. So the first thing I do when I get into the motel is an assessment of the blankets and the air conditioning. What is it with these hotel keepers? You know, they got the duvets in the mid, you know, this wasn't midsummer, but you can go to to a place in midsummer and it's just like this ultra thick duvet, right? Yeah. What is it with that? Like, do some people just sleep cold? Well, maybe it's way better to err on the side of too warm than to have some old person at your door at 3.30 a.m. complaining that they were cold. Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm that old person. I, I know. I woke up sweating. I know, but I don't, that's your fault. Why don't you take some covers off, you bonehead, you old crank? Don't you it's know how duvet. to sleep? It's a duvet, right? What, it's so, all or nothing, you're saying? Well, that's the thing. You know, for quite some time, we really struggled with them, but now we got a system. First, first thing you do is go through the whole motel looking for those classic brown motel blankets. Uh, you know those ones? Yes, They're I always do. tan brown. Always. Yeah, like yeah. there's some company in Ohio somewhere making a mint off these things. So yeah, and you have to search for them. They're often hidden somewhere. You know, it could be in the closet up on a shelf, could be down the bottom shelf in a set of drawers. Yeah, because the maids don't want you using those to make tents for your kids on rainy days. So there's that. Sometimes you don't get those. Sometimes there's a nice top, what do you call it, a bedspread over mm-hmm. the duvet. Now you have options, don't you? Yeah. Get your bottom sheet and your bedspread. But if that doesn't exactly work out, we'll get right in there and take the duvet apart. <laughs> you get that comforter out of the middle of the duvet, which becomes a set of two heavy sheets. Now you got so many options, you Perfect. know. Wow. Have you checked your credit card lately <laughs> to see what charges you've sustained after leaving? You yeah. know, the $58 duvet reassembly fee. I'm not sure if I'm the only person that does this. I mean, we had a problem in the UK where that's all they had and it was hot. And there was a little note saying, do not raid the extra sheets in this cabinet. There will be a charge if you do. So she had a whole system going. 
And we were just smoking hot in there. And yet, if we just used the sheet, which was the only other option, we'd freeze. So I actually rated it and told her the next day, and we ended up paying like a $75 fee or something. 75 bones. But that was when we finally figured out the next night that, oh, you can take these duvets apart. That's actually key knowledge. You need to know that. Next year, there'll be another sign. (laughs) (laughs) euros or pounds or what pounds now yeah yeah well we had we always have duvets in the air bees and bees yeah that's good i guess a lot of okay and we would swap them for the summer duvet when it warmed up like just a thinner duvet but it was always duvet duvet. but we always had a sheet on the top sheet Oh, and yes. then the duvet on top of that. So there well, was yes, yes. Just way easier Did to you have under any customers seat. take your du- duvet apart? Not that I know of. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so now I know we're yeah. uh, going we're back to, rarity. I'm probably not the only one. Yeah. You and six other yeah. people on yeah. earth do that. But, but the thing is, uh, man, oh man, were those motels and hotels expensive. Whoa. Where are they? So you go on to TripAdvisor, and it's like six, seven, eight hundred dollars US for the You're night. You're kidding! I was going to guess two, two fifty US. Two, two fifty. Typically on this trip was the cheaper places. Bob's Motor Court, like a motel. Yeah, motel. Wow. Our cheapest place was one thirty a night, I think. Wow. Yeah. And apparently it's just a thing across North America. It's got to do with the pandemic. It's got to do with the housing crisis. You guys should just tell me your opinions on whether or not you think it is those legit reasons that you just discussed, shortages, housing, or whether it's just opportunism. Is it simply what the market will bear? Well, yeah, it's absolutely what the market will bear, yeah. And you sort of think, the grocery guys always say, oh yeah, supply chain's been a real problem and we have difficulty with this and increased costs for that. And yet when the annual statement comes out, they've made more profit than ever before. Yeah, they, and they've been caught. Again and again. And you sort of think, how many industries actually rejoice when they see that inflation is coming because they got a pretty good idea how much legit impact inflation will have on their businesses. And they also have a pretty good idea of the license it gives them to raise the price of whatever good yeah. or service they're But providing. motels are different in that there are some major chains, but there's a huge diversity in ownership. Yeah. Whereas groceries in Canada are like, what are there? Like two yeah. big ones, three, maybe yeah. if you count Patterson. There's just a thought I've been having a lot is, but still though, I mean, that's a once in a lifetime trip. That really looked like you guys kind of hit it out of the park there. We had a great time. We had a few, there were a few things like the worst part was the uh, rental car. Oh yeah. 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 So, you know, we get to dollar rent a car. I went for 30 days. I think we had the car 29 days. You had the car for 29 days. It was about 1800. Okay. So we show up at dollar, you know, the process works pretty good. They come out, they give us the keys and it's a Camry. So we get in the Camry and it's great. It's an SE, which is odd. That's the sport edition. Like, so uh, now we're out on the road. We decide to go to Niagara Falls State Park in the U.S. on the U.S. side. We're getting up around 35 miles an hour and there's a noise like as we're driving along it. And it'll be... So we bring it back that night and say, we got an issue here. He says, I'm all out of cars, you know, try Rochester, try Albany. And we're going, oh man, we're just going to show up at those places. They're going to say they're all out of cars too, right? Because they are, it's autumn, it's autumn leaves, huge in New England, right? 
And we, we lived with that for two weeks. You know, you're in this beautiful road trip vacation with the windy roads and the vistas and the autumn leaves. <laughs> it's just like dampening down our enjoyment of the whole vacation. So we kept talking about it. What, what if we did this? Oh, they might do that. What if we did this? I was saying, we should actually have somebody look at it. Yeah, well, what if we pull into one of those places? I've heard those stories. You pull in and the repair guy says, I'm sorry, but I can't let you drive this car out of my lot. And that may or may not be a scam, but it's probably, it makes sense in the case of brakes if they're really in bad shape. But ultimately we pulled in, I said, Sue, you know, we're going to pull in. They're going to say, yeah, we can look at it tomorrow. So I pull into a tire place. They say, yeah, we can look at it tomorrow. I said, I just want you to look just five minutes on the hoist. Yeah, we can look at it tomorrow. (laughs) Try Midas. They don't take appointments. So we go down to Midas and uh, they're busy. They go, go, yeah, yeah, let me have a look. They get it up on the hoist for us and he's going, oh, this and this. And he's trying and he says, he brings another guy over and they look at it and he says, come over here. He says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to spin this tire, feel it. And he spins the tire and you can feel riffling on the tire surface, literally waves. Oh, he says, this, this, this wheel is way out of alignment and it's been out of alignment for a long time. And so armed with that, we're going, okay, now what do you, the next day, cause you call the customer service line and they say, well, is it, is it broken down? And you go, no. Okay. Well, you know, if it breaks down, call the breakdown line. So anyway, we, one, we got another person and he said, ah, just call the breakdown line. Tell them the situation. You don't have to have broken down really. So we called the breakdown line. They, they uh, gave us a case number and they said, take it into Albany. So we missed a day of touring to drive from Manchester, Vermont to Albany, New York, but it was only a two hour drive and it was beautiful. So yeah, drove it there and we had a case number. Once you have a case number, you're kind of the boss of the the place. Mm. They don't have a choice. The people who really only have a few breakdown vehicles and really would prefer not to give you one, they just have to give you one. And she was super terse, you know, at the, I'm just hitting her with all my humor best oh, I can. You're gordiizing like, her? Yep. She's just answering with one word. Close range. And she says, yeah, these are the keys. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, how, oh, and I get to see, hey, look, we both get our own keys because then you can walk up to the car and just open it. The whole world is unfolding great for us. We take it back to the lady. She's like, no, keep them on the same ring. That's why it's welded together and you can't break it apart. Right. So later on, I'm Googling, why do they do this? And it's because people drive it to a different location. The friend's with them. The friend takes off. Now the friend has a key. Yeah. Anyway, the next thing you know, they don't get a key back. Right. And even though they can charge you for that key, they're stuck with a car that. What a stupid thing to do though. Like why just give out one? So why do you give out two? So a day later I'm going, Sue, we're going to bust this thing. Yeah. (laughs) Good man. So we go, we go into a hardware store and I'm like. Um, do you have, do you have an inexpensive wire cutter that I can buy? And he's like, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> click gone. So he's like, what are they going to do? And I said, no, they're, they're not going to do a thing. When we return the car, we put both of the keys back on the same ring and just hand them over. That and it's is all done. Just right? profoundly stupid. Holy <laughs> smokes. And apparently they all do it. Apparently it's a really common thing. They want to keep, see the car moves from town to town. They want to keep both of the keys with it. I understand that, but I just think that's an idiotic way to do it. If you really want to keep them both, okay, 
put one in a magnetic box underneath the wheel well or something and don't tell the customer they have them both unless they phone and say, I lost my key. Then tell them, okay, well, good. For morons like you, there's a one under. But to put them both together is just idiotic. So listeners, PSA, in your Jeez. rental car go bag, and I know you all have rental car go bags, include a lightweight set of wire cutters <laughs> there. You don't need much. And then you're all set. Yeah, it was a fantastic trip. I have a few notes. Do you want to hear them? Uh, sure. First, I'll just congratulate you on your Facebook picture a day thing. Those are great. I love looking at those things. And based on the comments, so do a lot of other people. Yeah, the trip, at the shot a day is perfect because if it's not one, it's going to be eight. Yeah. Like the, you can't just stop at two, right? Like if you're, if you're letting yourself go, then the next thing you know, people are going, oh, well, anytime it says plus five down there, you go, next. <laughs> <laughs> scroll, scroll. So listeners, another PSA. If you're sending RJ travel stuff, just forget it. Just Those don't bother. Are beautiful photos next. Oh, the world's burning up. Well, yeah. That's, now that's something I, I need to focus about. now. <laughs> but it's, it's the same old routine. You know, I do a quick call and then I hit the favorite button on maybe six photos. And then I hand the phone over to Sue. She looks through the favorites and she says, you know, it's, she says, you're just going to do what you're going to do anyway, but okay, here's my favorite one. And then sometimes I would do her favorite one. And sometimes I'd already kind of made up my mind, but. I didn't even get remotely close to organized enough to do any of that. But the nature of your vacation is a little different, isn't it? Like, cause yeah. you're riding. It's highly regimented. It's yeah. You're not going to go, you know what? Let's spend an extra hour here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Best motel was the Sleep Woodstock, Woodstock, Vermont. The worst motel was the Chalet Motel, a travel lodge. I'm going, Sue, we're going to a travel lodge tonight. I wonder what we're going to see, you know. It was actually, there were three different sinks in there, you know, one for the bathroom, one for the kitchen, one for the uh, nightly toothbrushing or whatever, you know. But the entire place had shag carpet. Ooh, Yeah, wow. it's kind of rusty Ooh. brown colored. Ooh. And there's that smell when you get in of, of cleaner that's masking something. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you always just wonder what's in that it carpet. It used to be Lysol back in the day. On, but those, yeah, those carpets. Ooh. <laughs> if they could only talk. <laughs> the carpet's probably from the early 80s at, at the latest. And there was kind of like this gritty sand stuff outside, but there was no thing to wipe your feet off insides. You just walk in and now there's this gritty sand stuff on the shag carpet, which is all the same, all the way up to the walls. You know, I felt it should have gone up the walls as well. What if you can even still buy shag carpet? <laughs> just wow. But it really didn't bother me at all. I mean, it was comfortable enough in there and, uh, <laughs> but, uh, all right. Uh, the time we chose was great. September 20th, to October 20th, roughly. There's a lot of people because of the autumn colors, but there were lots of times when you'd walk into a beautiful library and you weren't cheek by jowl with a whole bunch of other people who wanted to go in there and look. The only super crowded place was in Bahaba, which is a uh, bar Harbor. For, oh, just trying to do my, uh, geez, I, that went sailing right by me there. Bahaba. <laughs> That came from uh, one of the Facebook commenters. Oh. Anyway, that's Acadia National Park in Maine. Holy smokes, is that a crowded park? Really? Not in a bad way, really. You just you just drive along and, you know, you have to stop and wait at certain points. We know there's some beautiful shoreline to look at here. Oh, here's a line. The first time we saw a lineup of cars, we'll go, well, we'll get just get past this lineup. But no, actually just park when you see the lineup of park cars and walk the 500 meters to the viewpoint, you know. 
That was fantastic. Highly recommended. Bar Harbor, Acadia National Park in the USA. I think it's their oldest national park. Spectacular waves. I have a whole bunch more detail. We're not going to do a whole bunch more detail. Instead, what I did was I just uh, brainstormed favorites. Yeah. You guys ready for this? Ready. ready. Autumn leaves, covered bridges, water fire. That's where they light fires on the water. Brown University. Fantastic. Yale. Uh, The New England classics, all those white spire churches. Mm. You just, once you see them, you go, oh, I've seen those in a million photos. Uh, Stars on houses to ward off bad spirits. Sue started noticing them. I've never seen them before. I wouldn't have noticed if Sue hadn't pointed it out. Stars. Yeah, big stars, like three feet across, five points, not Jewish style. On old houses? On a lot of houses. Often there'll be three, one, two, three. So we Googled it and it kind of dates way back to the 1700s or whatever. These, and they just like keep doing it. Are back to the future towns with those little squares and white A lot square. of them like Stars Hollow and the Gilmore Girls. There's all over the place oh, those geez. kind of towns. Right? Stars. I haven't heard that one before. Right. Uh, state capitals. We always try to see them. We saw uh, Montpellier, which I was incorrectly calling Montpellier, but it's called Montpellier, of course. Really? Because it's Vermont, right? And uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah. Uh, staring at ocean breakers. You guys know this. You just stand there and look at them for 15, 20 minutes. You know, because they're always different, right? And you can yeah. see the swell. Oh, here's a big one. Here's a big one. Oh, wasn't that big? Or, or oh, there's another. All of a sudden, bam, a great big one comes in there. And, and at one point, we're hearing this racket, like heavy sounds. We look down and there's like two to three foot boulders getting tumbled by the ocean. And they've been doing this for a Two to three feet? Huge. Other points, there were like softball size ones that'll make a clack, clack, clack sound. These were boulders going. Wow. Just amazing. And it's just this one magical beach where the ocean just slams into it and tumbles them. Wow. They, they go up and then you hear them rolling back down when the waves receive them. Dook, yeah. dook, 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 dook. And then the next wave comes in and maybe it doesn't do much. And then all of a sudden a big wave comes in and it just hammers them again. Jeez. Just fantastic. Bridge of flowers, pedestrian bridge, uh, waterfalls, of course, lots of those. Mount Greylock. Herman Melville used to stare at Mount Greylock when he was writing Moby Dick. Nice. Mount Greylock's shaped like a whale. Is it? In the winter it's white. Yes. Do you know what my my white whale is? Nope. Finishing Moby Dick. Oh, I have it at home. I have it too. With the hyphenated title and everything. It's a beautiful book and I still haven't finished it. Well, I'm still working on it. I did start reading it again. It's amazing. Um, the Cliff Walk in Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, foosball in Buffalo. You saw that photo. My last night in Buffalo, I hung out with the foosball players there. Nice. Uh, Louisa May Alcott's house where she wrote Little Women and based it on that house. And so we did the tour, of the, I did the tour of the Herman Melville one and we did the tour of the Louisa, Louisa Mel, May Alcott one and, and that's in Concord and they all know Nathaniel Hawthorne. Kind of think him and Herman Melville were a bit of a couple there, but they couldn't be obvious about it. Really? Yeah. And you read Moby Dick and it's full of gay illusions. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, Ishmael. Call me Ishmael. Yeah. He ends up teamed up with Queequeg. Yeah. Guy from the, uh, what is he, from Bali or something. And they end up having, they can't afford it, so they end up staying in the same motel room and they're cuddled up together in bed. And 
and then they they look in each other's eyes and they say from this moment we are wed there's all kinds of stuff and it's all very poetic so that that you could kind of get away with thinking oh well they're just deep and close friends and nathaniel hawthorne who wrote the house of the seven gables and i think a few other famous ones he hung out at herman melville's house and of course, he also knew Louisa Malcott's father. And, you know, there's just this tangle of interrelationships of yeah. all these people in Concord, Boston area. You know, Paul Revere rode up to the same area of Concord that Louisa Malcott's house was in and all this stuff, right? <laughs> Northbridge, the shot heard round the world, almost went over to Chappaquiddick. Because, see, I thought there was a bridge over to Chappaquiddick, mm. and I thought that was the bridge that Teddy Kennedy uh, mm. dumped Mar- Martha, Mary, Mary Jane, Jane Kopechny. Kopechny, and didn't come back to rescue her. Uh, but no, we would have had to take in a small, one of those little tiny ferries with just yeah. three cars at a time. Yeah. And then, like, we were talking to someone in a gift shop. They said, I was, I was saying, well, what's, what's there to do there? And she said, oh, drive and go see the bridge. <laughs> So I guess that's a tourist thing is to go see the bridge where, uh, Teddy Kennedy did that. So, yeah. What fun to imagine how the number of people wanting to see that just dwindles every year because definitely there's a demographic component to that. Yeah, I guess so. That's true. That's true. Yeah. The Erie Canal, we drove along that. Oh, you got to know your buddy. You got to know your pal. Okay. Yeah. There's a song, right? If you ever navigated on the Erie Canal. Whoa, Bridge, didn't you guys sing that in elementary school? Well, I don't know if I sung it, but I certainly heard it a lot of times. Everybody down. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't know anything about it. You guys know anything about it? I just know that it was a well-used canal. Yeah, so this one goes from uh, Lake Erie all the way to the Hudson River. So that means you can navigate all the way to the Hudson. That'll take you down to New York City. So that was a big deal. And it was uh, 18... 25, only 50 years after the U.S. Revolution, they had this massive long canal. And then uh, Buffalo. So the reason we went to Buffalo, because why go to Buffalo, right? We were going to fly into Boston to start this whole thing. But uh, we realized we wanted four weeks, not three. That meant that Sue couldn't see Peter Gabriel when he was in town in Vancouver. So we looked, where is the LC playing? He was playing in Buffalo. So that's actually why we ended up flying into Buffalo. Flew into Buffalo, saw the concert, started on our vacation. And wow. uh, turned out that that concert was uh, one of the best ones we've ever seen. Just spectacular. Peter Gabriel, man, still doing it. Still hitting those high notes. Wow. Completely beautiful artwork all the way through. He'd finish every song and say so-and-so. He'd name the artists who did the paintings that were Excellent. up behind him and or he'd spend a lot of time on his musicians who were just phenomenal. So yeah. And he's still doing new music as well. The crowd was really into it. He was great. I just happened to have the, you know, the listener from hell behind me, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. She was like, why isn't he playing any of the old stuff? Play some old. Yeah. Play some this old. classic, right? <laughs> well, it was just even brand new songs because there was all the, uh, amazing artwork and the musicians were just so top notch that it didn't matter that that you'd never heard them before. They're still amazing. (laughs) Baseball hall of fame in Cooperstown. Nice. It was fine. You know, I'm not a massive baseball fan, so. Well, there was a question in the back of my mind about your estimated percentage of all the people's names you saw in there that you'd ever heard of before. Oh yeah. Like 
two percent probably. Yeah. Because same with the Hockey Hall of Fame. There's guys in there, whole bunch of guys that have gone in since I was. 10 years old that I have just zero recollection whatsoever of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sue, Sue has more of the appreciation for sports in general. So she probably got more of it than I did. She's probably I'd, all the way up to six or 7%. Yeah. Maybe I don't really because know. It's funny how that I mean, is. I know a lot of the old names though. Yeah. Like the initial five, I just know them because Rob would have mentioned them all the yeah. time, like Honus Wagner and people like that from the like end of the 1800s, early 1900s. Um, the first five inducted, I knew all their names, Yeah, but the last five inducted, no. Nah. So that's it. That's, uh, that's my, uh, you know, attempted to be quick. Yeah, it's pretty quick. Um, Portugal, I, I think I'm going to try to take your approach. So Portugal, if I was talking to somebody and they said they wanted to go to Europe and they've never been before, I would say, well, don't make Portugal the first place you go to. It's, it's okay, but it's only okay. It's economically pretty depressed. So stuff's cheap. Like food's pretty cheap. Oh, that's Wine's why cheap. it's cheap. Yeah. You better like pork if you go to Portugal because pork is like morning, noon, and night. Lots and lots of history. If you like history, it's favorite moment, third day. So we're going along and it, as a background, every morning they tell you something about the day's ride. They gather you in the courtyard of the place you stayed and they say, well, today is going to be a lot of climbing, <laughs> a lot of going downhill, a lot of sweat, you know, whatever they say. Right. And they tell you where the, what they call the brew stop, where they have a van where you can get food and water yeah, yeah where it's going to be and where lunch is and when and all that, whatever notes they need to give you. And on this day, I missed it all because I was fooling with my bike computer. Anyways, I was trying to work that, so I missed the whole morning briefing, so we're going along, going along. Comes a nice big downhill, fresh new pavement, kind of unusual, and you can see all the corners going down into this river valley, so you just fly, right? Nice. You can see the whole thing, and I came flying around this corner. There's this gigantic stone bridge, just Wow, it's really big, and you're like, "Holy dine!" And you get down there, and you read the plaque, and it turns out that it's a two thousand year old Roman bridge. Wow! At Alicantara, and it's it was built in one hundred two by Trajan or something, and it's like still that. in use. It's still in use. It's been in continuous use for two thousand years. It's been damaged in various conflicts and put back together again. I look down the handrail side, you know, where it's all dressed stone, just straight as a die. You just kind of think, I just can't believe this thing is even here. It's the middle of nowhere. Alicantara is, you know, just a place. So then the next day we left that place and they said, oh, the morning brew stops at uh, the old bridge. It's at the bottom of a hill. So make sure you don't go flying right by it. And it's off to your right. You'll, you'll see the new bridge is where you would go. You got to turn off just before you hit it. So you get down to this bridge, stone bridge, big, huge thing. It's just the old bridge because the new bridge is the one that the highway is still on. I look it up afterwards. The old bridge used to be a Roman viaduct. <laughs> and then in 1690, they built a bridge on the foundations of the Roman viaduct. And then in the 20th century, they rebuilt it. So that bridge that we're just having break at, just called the old bridge, built on the foundations of a Roman viaduct. Yeah. That kind of stuff is all through Portugal. It's mm -hmm. just everywhere. Between the Romans, the Moors, the Spanish, and the Portuguese, there's just hilltop forts all over the place. So if you really like that stuff, absolutely. Bottom half of the country, very dry, very hot. We had 40 degree days. 
You're getting not far from Morocco down there. I don't know. I guess so. It was hot and I'm, you better, there's nothing to see but olive trees just as far as the eye can see. Wow. And just dirt and rock on the ground. Place is all full of abandoned buildings. I guess because there's been economic trouble in Portugal for a long time. Hmm. Uh, in the bigger cities like Porto and in Lisbon, there's a lot of abandoned homes that are just falling apart. Cool 19th century homes. Yeah. And I asked around about it and mostly it's family stuff. The old people die and the kids have all left the country to try to make a living someplace. And they get into disputes about who's going to do what, pay for what. And while they dispute, the house falls apart and now the city owns it. And in Porto, it's one in five houses. One in is five. Is owned by the city. It's just falling apart. These, these yeah. really cool, everything there's made out of stone and so, brick. So that explains it. It might have been you or someone else. I can't remember who told me that, first of all, it's very easy to immigrate mm. to Portugal. So if you want to go live there, you can go live there. That's what I heard. I heard that And too. also you can just buy yourself a, like a retirement home for nothing. Yeah. We looked at real estate prices and they're very reasonable, certainly compared to here. Yeah. Like really you could. Anyways, good Lord, so much stone and every little town has cobbles in the middle of it. You guys oh, yeah. ever ride a bicycle on cobbles? Oh no. It's not cool. No. Bunker, 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 bunker. Oh, that's Just, brutal. We, we started laughing about it, you know, like, all right, cobbles, you know, and, uh, oh, these are some A plus cobbles and the higher the rating, the worse the riding experience is, you know, like, just, oh man. Yeah. And, Cause even driving a rental car on those things, you're going, yeah, well, yeah, it's not the greatest. It's uh, not too good, but happily it didn't rain at all on us. We didn't have a day of rain again. Oh, nice. Cause those things, you would have had to be off your bike and walking. If you were going through those little towns. Yeah. You're walking. Yeah. You know, you see the pictures of the whitewashed houses and they're always trimmed in blue or maybe in tan. Mm -hmm. Really? That's about all. Well, we found out that blue actually, according to the internet, at least scientifically proven to repel insects. Oh. Navy blue. Oh. And tan, apparently they chose tan because it repels evil spirits. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you sort of think, okay, if you're in a town that's painted tan, don't be there after dark. <laughs> they believe in stuff like evil spirits. <laughs> Who knows what they do to ward them off. Just don't that's be That's right. I, I just don't know. I liked Porto better than Lisbon, but Porto's also very touristy. Uh -huh. But Lisbon was a little too, you know, like their main drag has all those international brand name clothing stores. Mm -hmm. yeah. And Porto is a little more just Portuguese. Mm. Um, very touristy all the same. So is Lisbon full of references to the old explorers? Uh, not really. There's the Vasco da Gama bridge, yeah. which is really, really, it must be three kilometers across. It's really a long ways, uh, but not really. The, the historical references in there are way more towards, uh, battling with the Moors and battling with the Spanish. Did the Moors come after the Romans? Yeah. Yes. And where'd they come from? Uh, North Africa. Oh, I did not know that. Basically Arabs, I believe. Oh, okay. Which is, oh, okay. I'm not going to get crucified yeah. for that. But okay. they came all the way up into Spain and they, they control whole big chunks and their architectures everywhere, still in the south of Spain oh. and Portugal. And a lot of like Alicantara, that's why it's called that. And there's a whole bunch of place names that are Moorish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the Portuguese, before it was even a country, they had huge battles to try to get them out, try to overthrow the Moors. And I mean, it's funny, just 
that kind of historical reference is all over the place. But here's the part I want you to pay attention to. Passports. Passports. <laughs> Sheesh. There's a rule in the European Union that says your passport may not expire any less than three months after your expected return date. So you book a return flight. If the date is, say, I don't know, October 6th, let's just say, and your uh, passport expires on December 23rd, that's less than three months between those. And when you get to the airport, the helpful people there will tell you you can't fly. And you don't know why. You haven't been told anything. You've had your ticket that you needed to present passport information to buy in the first place six months ago. Nobody said anything. You tried to check in online. Nobody said anything. You get to the check-in place and they say, I don't understand why it's working. And they go check with their senior person and they think maybe it's a name mismatch because you've got your abbreviated first name, say Pat instead of Patrick. Mm -hmm. And on your passport, of course, it would say Patrick. Right. So they correct that. They break a couple rules and correct that on your ticket. Still doesn't work. And only then do they find out that there's this rule. And the rule is, no, you can't fly if your return date is after. So here's what we can do for you, Mr. Lilburn. You can buy a one-way ticket from Lisbon to Vancouver dated September 22nd, which is three months and one day. Right. And hope to God that you can sort your passport business out while you're over there. Right. Otherwise, you're going to have to fly back early. Well, you would, yeah. On your expensive ticket. On your, and the only way, and so I did. I just rolled the dice. I thought, well... The tour money is gone no matter what happens. I either take the tour or don't, but that money's not coming back. Yeah. Um, so I did, and I did manage to get it sorted out. The Canadian consulate is in Lisbon and RJ. I used your consulate expertise to manage my expectations for what happened in there. It was just the same as the American one. Yeah. They don't let you have a phone. You got to give it to them. They lock it away and give you the key and you go speak to somebody and you have to walk through a metal detector going in and out. The whole place was only about as big as this shed. And I got that all straightened out within the first day and a half, but man, was it stressful. Whoa. Yeah. You did deal with that pretty quickly. It just was a lot. uh, It took us a while to think, oh yeah, it's the Canadian consulate. And, and did they actually give you, and sorry, you probably just said this, they gave you an extension on your passport? No, they gave me, and I'll give you a picture to post on the web, a very, very delightful temporary passport. Ah, yes. You know why it's delightful? Because the cover of it is snow white, as pure as the driven snow with gold lettering. Unlike the regular nice. Canadian passport, this navy nice. blue. And was it for the period of the expiry of your old passport no. or was it from now? It was, it was valid for a year from the date of issue, which oh. was September the 13th. What I did think. that run you? A couple hundred bucks? Uh, that ran me about a hundred and my 10 year passport, which I also ordered at the same time, cost me another 290 So it was all in about 400 bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did have some joy with it as I left the country. And speaking of leaving the country, so I'm there back at the consulate. And now all of a sudden I'm talking to a more senior consul. They said, well, I don't think you need it. You're in the country now. You, you've gained access to the yes, country. Yes. So I don't think you need to do anything. Yeah. And I said, oh, great. Well, okay. I don't need to spend this money. I could spend it on beer just as easy. So, so the, she gets up and toddles off into the back room, comes back five minutes later and says, well, they were too efficient. They've already canceled your existing one. And I thought, oh, okay, wow. just give me okay. the temporary one. Okay. So this temporary one is white, like I say, yep. really stunning, good for a year. And the check-in people and even the immigration guy at P- 
Pearson Airport in Toronto. I'd never seen one before. Wow. So, you know, I was having fun. I got to the check, the immigration guy, and he takes my passport, and all of a sudden, he's interested. Eh? His face kind of lights up. He goes, whoa, what's this? <laughs> I said, that is a temporary passport. You won't see many of those. They're super hard to get. <laughs> and he laughed and said, stay cool, sir. And he gives me back my passport. <laughs> Jeez, it was really fun. And the check-in guys, the same thing. And they hadn't seen it. But nobody questioned its legitimacy at all. They just... But yeah. yeah, so pay attention to that. And I'll just say, I was telling KG just before we got here, Rich, about two days after I went through all this, I was uh, looking at whatever on the news online. And there's some guy in Toronto who was flying his wife and daughter to Greece every year for the last 10 years. He lost $7,000 in tickets because his passport expired less than three months after his departure date from Toronto to Greece. And they wouldn't let him fly at all. So right. I was, because... I was just lucky. Yeah, yeah. But I had I had 10 days to sort it out. Or well, it was also nice that they had the wherewithal to offer you that, to explain to you that this would work. Yes. This is a way to do yes. it. Yes. And I mean, my usual cynicism about Air Canada as an organization's motives in not explaining you is offset by the fact that there are people on the ground, and it, let's just all agree, it's the people on the ground that determine whether corporations live or die and they get treated the worst. So those poor people on the ground are dealing with stressed out me, and they don't really even know what's going on, really. They had to go digging into the bowels of something to come up mm. with the real reason for this. Mm -hmm. But all of this could be solved if you just put one more edit into the ticket selling oh, yeah. software. Yeah. There's already an edit in the check-in software, obviously, because it wouldn't let me do online check-in. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you just put up a damn message that says... Your passport, you can't. And, you know, the cynical mind says, well, because it doesn't serve them. Mm. But there's their ground staff people having to deal with it. Mm -hmm. The fact that they don't, I, it ticks me off. But I do remember the warning when we went to France, somewhere along the line of the process of preparing for the trip. Yeah. Maybe it was some article or something said, make sure and check your passport. Yeah, I believe that too. And I, I just glanced my eyes over it thinking, nope, my passport expires way after I'm right, getting back. Right, yeah. That's all. And for whatever it's worth, apparently in China and most of Asia, it's six months. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So they're even more concerned about it. So that was it. I mean, I think Cuba I, had a similar thing too. Did it? Yeah. I, I just yeah. don't even. So that was about it really. It was, uh, it was all good. All worth it. Saw a lot of cool stuff. Had some fun. Ate a lot of pork, uh, more or less unwillingly. Because <laughs> really, there was one guy who was vegetarian, and it was pretty rough sledding in terms of just imagine. I can't imagine a vegan surviving in Portugal at all. Yeah, but I mean, if you're a vegetarian or vegan, you're going to ask hard questions of any tour, right, before you go on it. Yep. And they will just simply say, oh, yeah, no, we have a vegetarian menu. Uh -huh. They don't say, be prepared to eat rice and pasta every night for the rest of your life. Oh, they don't wow. say that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, there's not, I, I would, will say though, that they're, um, it seemed they were sort of short of vegetables, but when you did get them, they were really good. And I think what that means is when they did get them, they were harvested right nearby. That's oh, why they right. had them. Yeah. They were, and all my whole life, I've never liked olives. Yep. We had lunch at some place, hot day, big climb coming. And all the time there was olives and bread in the table always. And for whatever reason, I ate black olives off that table. Oh, yeah. just a revelation. Yeah. So good. So, so good. Now is a black olive really just a green olive that's been ripened? I have no idea. I can tell you this. 
just being black doesn't mean they're ready to eat because we had a stop where there was a tree and it had black olives that were within reach. So yeah. I ate one and uh-huh. spat it immediately out. It was, uh, I don't know whether it was ripe or whether they do some processing to prepare them or what, but oof, it was just bitter and horrible. I just immediately yeah. spat it out. I just thought it was black. Oh, and another note from the tour, uh, the English class system is alive and well. Mm. Don't dream it's not. Because mm-hmm. there was a group of English people, and on an individual basis, they were mostly pretty nice. Uh, and as a group, a lot of, what do they call that? The mid-Atlantic accent? Oh, do try the veal. It's, tr- oh, what was the word? Divine, I believe it was. <laughs> you know, just, are you kidding? And, and unasked, oh, you don't drink that American wine, do you? You know, and you sort of think, yeah, yeah, I do, actually, you idiot. And it, there's that, right? There's a certain amount of tryhardiness to uh-huh. go up the social scale. Can you find yourself slipping into a few little jabs there or no? Uh, I, that one did come out. Like, mm. are you kidding me? Don't drink that American wine. Oh, you don't drink that American wine, do you? <laughs> you just, what you really want to say is, you know, not nice at all. And so you just limit yourself to, oh, yeah, absolutely, I do drink that American wine. A lot of it's pretty good. Is this another uh, bike tour? I was the, on the tour was on in our group. We had a oh, group of oh. Scottish people and a group oh. of English people and us. Scottish people, generally speaking, really pleasant, really fun, and good riders, too. I would expect they would be fun. Yeah. It's built into the Scottish. They were, they were pretty good fun. And, boy, there was a couple of these women... The uh, older women, everybody was our age, sort of, in their late 50s, 60s. And these two Scottish women, two of them, could really climb. Their power to weight was very impressive. They probably lived up in the highlands. I don't know, but one of them had almost no left knee left, and she could only go to a certain grade, and then she had to back off because she just couldn't sustain that amount of torque. Yeah, And the other one was just... But because Dale and I didn't have to wait for anybody who was suffering for the heat or suffering from climbing uh, or unwilling to go fast downhill, we ended up way ahead of everybody. Most mm, right, of the days right. we finished well, well ahead of the rest. So of the is that a highlight for you? I mean, it must be the downhills. Oh yeah, it's fun. This is like, you've done all that work and yeah. now here we go. Well, and you know, there's more of the same coming. So live it up, live yeah, large. Yeah. Right? And the cool breeze, if you're overheating the cool breeze. Yeah. And- I didn't yeah. overheat. I was pleased. I washed my water and I used a lot of sunscreen. Did not. A couple of, they, one of the Scottish people had heat stroke and. Really? Yeah. They, they really struggled, but mm. we didn't have that problem. But yes, the downhills. Yes. Pretty fun. It's cold up there in the highlands. I guess. <laughs> Rainy, wet. I think that was it though. That's my full report. That's nice. Sounds like a great trip. It was okay. Yeah. Oh, and we rented a car after. Yes. Yes. I think we had it five days, cost us about 400 and something dollars. So about the same as yours. Mm, Wheel alignment good? Yeah. It was nice. It was a Yaris Cross. Oh, wow. Toyota Yaris Cross. Small car, which is kind of nice to have. It was great. It was actually very good. It was real cheap on gas because it was a hybrid. And that all worked just fine. I was extremely nervous about it. I had to drive. I made a couple of life-threatening errors. I didn't understand the signage. Like on a very narrow bridge oh. outside of a town that oh. we actually had stayed in. Yeah. I didn't really realize that I was supposed to yield to oncoming traffic. Oh, right. I just went right onto the bridge. Oh, yeah. man. Did not get a good reaction from those oncoming vehicles. Oh, boy. Guys rolling down their window to shout stuff. Oh, uh, in uh, Portuguese? Oh, yeah. 
so not too good. Just, but we went to we went to Sagres, which is the westernmost point in Europe. We went to Nazar, which is the place with the hundred foot waves. You know, really, surf guys. Yeah, every now and then they get a storm in there, right? It just comes straight in off the Atlantic, right? Yeah. And there's an underwater canyon, oh, yeah, so it just yeah. funnels them onto this big yeah. beach. Yeah. Wasn't that day? It's just pretty look up. And we went to a place. I don't know if you ever heard of called Evora. Mm-hmm. Evora is a university town, but it features a Roman temple to Diana. The remains of it. Really cool. It's walled town has a big giant cathedral on top built on top of the roman administrative buildings so it was really cool and we went to another place called tomar which was the headquarters of the portuguese templars so we did see a lot of the country we rode a thousand kilometers we drove a thousand kilometers and we walked about a hundred kilometers in those towns Hmm. we were at so there that is the end of it oh that's great it was fun i don't know if we'll do it again just because the regimentation thing is it's good and it's bad. You mean do it anywhere else in the world? Well, no, I'll do something, I hope, somewhere else in the world. I just don't know if I'll do that kind of uh, group style. tour again. Yeah. Well, that was another thing. That Templar town, they, <laughs> you know how the church has kind of co-opted a whole bunch of pagan yes, celebrations? Like Easter, and, for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this town that I'd never heard of before, we drive in and there's this, this big statue kind of thing in their main roundabout in the center of town. And it looks like it's, I thought maybe it's a world war one memorial. Cause it had all these red sort of flower things. And then these things that look like loaves of bread. And it was just this column and it was really garish, right? <laughs> just like, what the hell is that thing? So we asked about it at the hotel we were staying at and they said, Oh, they have some festival. They have it every four years and it involves all the women in town. I think, or maybe it's just the marriageable ones. I'm not sure. But they put on this headdress that's about almost four feet tall and it has loaves of bread wow. and blossoms in it. Cornucopia on And it the weighs head. about 35 pounds and they Not carry it. Not that far off from what's her name, Del Rio or whatever the yeah. Latin <laughs> yeah. Americans do yeah. that too, right? Yeah. What's her name? Carmen Miranda. Said, for, yeah. Carmen Miranda. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it only it's like 35 pounds, right? <laughs> loaves of bread. And they walk like five kilometers in this crushing heat. Yeah. With full skirts and everything. And the men are there to just carry water and stuff if they need it. And they had had it in July of this year. And the woman said there was 800,000 people in town for that parade. Wow. That's town normally 20,000 people. Yeah. Jesus. She said all the public transit to Lisbon was just jammed. The highway, jammed. She said they had 1.4 million visitors to the town over the weekend of the festival and 800,000 in town for this parade. I've never heard of this parade. I still don't know what it's called. <laughs> You'd know for sure it had pagan origins. But it's so. some kind of fertility oh, thing, Oh, 100. Right? Yeah. Uh, just 100. And every four years, hmm, you know, leap year, all the moon stuff. Like, I've just never heard of it. It was just nutty. That's a cool town, though. That Tomar was a very cool little town. Yeah. Okay, now I'll stop. Excellent. For those of you familiar with the production process here in Shedland, you'll know that I'm recording this after we did all that talking, but you'll also know that I'm recording it without knowing what's really going to have been in the episode that you've just finished listening to. So I don't know whether I should apologize to you or not. It's kind of a quandary for me every time. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed that. We sure enjoyed doing it. 
Uh, we're happy to be here doing it, and we're really happy that you're listening. So keep on doing that. Mainly keep taking care of yourselves, because that's just a daily job, you know, every single day. We'll talk to you again soon. See ya.